With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. I love the city I've been proud. Treading water that they drown. My head on a swivel. Yeah. It's only really my surroundings. Hello and welcome to episode 70 of the Smash Accept podcast. I'm your host, Michael Royer. You can find me on Twitter at Dynasty underscore DadFF. You know, it's Super Bowl week and we're all jacked up for that. What I'm really thinking about right now is rookies. You know, and today we're going to talk about how the Senior Bowl just wrapped out 78 days until the NFL draft. I know that sounds like a long time, but that is really going to jump on us quickly. You know, and our, our idea here at the Smash Accept podcast is to bring on the best at rookie analysts that we can find, you know, and the guys that are going to get you prepared for your rookie drafts because that's how you make and break things in Dynasty. We're recording twice today because we get an opportunity to bring on someone just I couldn't pass up. You know, he's senior fantasy analyst at FTN Network, 2020 Fantasy Sports Writers Association DFS Writer of the Year finalist, host of Fade the Chalk over at FTN Network, and so much more. I mean, welcome to the show. Super excited to have Derek Brown. How you doing? I'm excited to be here, man. I mean, look, just hopping off of getting finally back into Texas with the freeze, the travel issues and stuff like that, back from Senior Bowl with the eyes on all of these rookies all week, man. And you talk about all the things. I mean, I'm sitting here having to mute my phone right now because we got another show that's uh, going live this week with me and my boy Ray G over at FTN Fantasy. It's a big week, dude. I'm excited to talk prospects. I'm I'm excited for you, man. It's been about about 18 months now since you've been full time in in the fantasy, like making that your career. Talk to me a little bit about that. You know that transition moving into that, which is congratulations. And, and then talk to me a little bit about what you guys have going over there. I mean, I'm seeing things all the time from FTN Network. I mean, it's it's honestly my head spinning still. Um, I can't believe that it's honestly been that long that I've been full time in the industry. Um, for Something that started as just a hobby, man. I mean, I for everybody out there that doesn't know, I mean, I worked as a nurse, um, was a pediatric nurse for St. Jude for about 13 years before stepping into this full-time. And with um, it, it's been one pinch-me moment after another, man. Like So, like, going in there to the Senior Bowl, I mean, I was, I was out there, I was telling people, I was like, look, I feel like a noob, because I was. <laughs> First time being there, and the entire week was nothing but pinch-me moments, being able to interview players, getting your eyes on practices, and the access to all of these coaches, scouts, everything. I mean, Ray G put a video out the other day. We we're all just kind of like trying not to shit our pants when Dan Marino walked past us. So yeah, like, I saw I saw him on Twitter crazy. with Dan Marino. I'm like, yo, those are those kind of moments where you, those guys walk by and it's like surreal, right? It's crazy, man. I mean, just one of those times where you're just like, okay, um, this is real life. All right, let's go. Like, I'm excited, man. So. The newness and all this stuff at FTN has not worn off for me. I'm still trying to do like everybody out here, whether you're part-time, whether you're doing this as a hobby. I'm grinding just like everybody else, man. I mean, look, nobody wants to get outworked, man. So whether it's uh, the full season grind, whether it's now stepping into prospects, which now I'm diving through this class because, the, I mean, during the NFL season, I, I mean, we got to sleep sometime, right? I don't have the <laughs> bandwidth to get into college. So as soon as the regular season kind of like tapers off, I, I turn on the tape, start getting into these prospects, um, getting into my dynasty rankings, which are live at FTN Fantasy, and really seeing, you know, for the first time, going back through multiple years for these guys, like, what are my thoughts on the class? What are my thoughts on these prospects? And projecting them to the NFL. Yeah, and, and I'm I'm so excited to have you on as our, our first guest talking about rookies. You know, I mean, we have... We have Travis May, Matt Waldman, uh, you know Thor Nystrom, so many guys coming on here, and we're going to talk about different elements. But today, what we're going to talk about is the Senior Bowl, you know. And I know a lot of people that have we've had on Katie Flowers, Chad Parsons in the past to talk about the Senior Bowl. Now, this was your first one, so talk to me a little bit about what you were looking for. Like, who are those guys you were excited to see? You know, you saw them on tape, but being able to see them right up there, cl- up close and personal. I mean, who are those guys for you that you wanted to see? So walking into the week, there was like a short list of players where I was like, all right, 
I really want to get a good eye on these cats. I want to see what they do on the field. I want to see them in one-on-ones. I want to see if the what I see on the field because, uh, look, I, I, I watch a lot of film. Am I the best film grinder out there compared to like Matt Wall and other people you just brought up? No. But the other thing that I try to do with, with watching the film and also comparing analytics and comparing like these guys' numbers over multiple seasons and looking at what these quarterbacks do during versus pressure, yards per route run, all these different metrics, I try to marry the two to give me like the clearest picture I, I can on all these players. And the guys walking into this week where I was like, all right, really, really want to put a finger on the pulse on how they perform this week. I really wanted to watch Carson Strong. Um, a lot of the top receivers, so like Jalen Tolbert was somebody that I wanted to watch exclusively in one-on-ones, see how he matched up against higher competition, better corner play than what he saw in, at South Alabama. Um, Damian Pierce, Jerome Ford, um, and also a guy that, in, in talking about marrying the two parts or pieces here, and watching his film and comparing his numbers, because the numbers are not pretty, and I'm not going to sit here and sugarcoat those, and a guy that I walked out equally impressed after this week, Jeremy Ruckert, uh, was a guy that I really wanted to watch all week, both in, in blocking drills, one-on-ones, and see what he did. Because it, it, when I looked at the numbers on Ruckert, and I was like, okay, look at his yards for a route run, look at his blocking, look at all these different things. I was like, ah, I mean, I don't know how high I'm going to rank this guy. And then I turn on the film, and I'm like, Damn, man, he looks smooth in and out of his breaks. He's good in pass protection. He's good in the run game. I mean, I think he's three down tight end. And seeing those things also continue into senior bowl week, uh, definitely a lot of those guys both hurt and I think, like, I mean, both help themselves. And honestly, like, that's what you want to see. You want to see does the film match what we're seeing in practice as well as with the numbers. I like that you say that because a lot of people, I mean, they see something on Twitter, right? They see a great catch or a great throw and all of a sudden <laughs> what we want to do is sometimes we want to just elevate that person because we're so excited for content. The other thing I see a lot of people do is like, you know, you, you see a player and then we double count it, right? A guy who's, you know, has elite speed and then we see it on the field again and they're like, mm -hmm. eh, let's let's move him up again a little bit. So what we really want to do is just take a look at these guys. I mean, I think when it comes to the Senior Bowl, you know, we know about in years past, we've seen the Cooper Cups and, and the guys that have, like, showed up on the radar. We saw what they had. There's a lot of guys like that where we want to kind of differentiate and, and compare them to the rest of the class and even compare them to last year's class. And you're a dynasty player. Those 2023 20, firsts are about impossible to get. And there's so many guys. I mean, I saw someone today say, hey, should I just give up? A random 23 first for the 101, you know, and we want to we want to differentiate what this class looks like compared to last year, compared to you know what we have here, and then what what's coming up in the in next year, you know, and I think that's the hardest thing this time of year in Dynasty is people want to move on to that new sexy piece, you know, and they want to move their their veterans to get these rookies and see where that. So that's why we're having you on to differentiate some of that. And the first position, obviously, you, you had alluded to quarterback. And uh, I heard I heard Katie talking about this on Under the Helmet the other day. On average, over the past 25 years, only two quarterbacks get that second contract in the NFL. So we want to look at these guys and how many of these guys are guys that potentially have that second contract capability, guys that are going to be starters for a long time. And, you know, the first one that everybody everybody's talking about right now is Malik Willis from Liberty. You know, and he's got a lot of first-round buzz. Shows the, some, of the, some of those physical upside tools that you have to be that, you know, dual threat type quarterback. What did you see from him when you were down there? So turning on the film, I didn't, I, honestly, Malik Willis was a hard player to project, to look at. I mean, obviously the raw tools are there, but you look at Liberty, he was pressured like crazy. The offensive line was not good. You could see that from the first game that you watched with him at Liberty. And so seeing him at the senior bowl, not only, you know, because walking into these practices and one-on-ones and things like that, these players are asked to do different things than they did in college. Now, whether mm -hmm. that's less RPOs, whether that's running 7-on-7, 11-on-11, seven seven, 11 11, going through the progressions, and staying in the pocket more. Because, honestly, going through the quarterback reps all week, it's like you're watching how many of these guys are getting their progressions and throwing to the receivers and stuff like that. They're not getting hit in practice. So every time these guys take off running in one of these reps, you're just like, okay, well, that doesn't matter. The coaches don't care about that. I don't care about that. Mm -hmm. Nobody cares about the reps where you're running in practice. 
They want to see you go through progressions, make your throws. How are you doing on timing throws as well as moving outside the pocket? So all these different reps, whether it's in the game at the senior bowl, and I honestly don't even care about the game because the exactly. game doesn't yeah. tell you as much and the stat lines. That's why I put it out there like, all right, Kenny Pickett did not have as good of a game as everybody hoped he did, even though he went, like, I think six for six, 89 yards and a score mm-hmm. or two scores in the game. I don't care about that. That doesn't even weigh into everything that I saw at the Senior Bowl. And with these practices, especially somebody like Malik, looking at his film and seeing how the offense ran, whether it was RPOs and him getting through progressions or just a lot of first reads, I wanted to see was he going to get to second reads, third reads in in practices. How was he going to look throwing on the run? How was he going to look like standing in the pocket? And Malik was obviously a guy like, I think uh, on our pre-rankings uh, for the Senior Bowl, I think I had him at like QB2 or QB3, and he's QB1 mm-hmm. walking out of the week for me. Yeah. And I think that if you're looking at somebody that, that separated themselves versus all the other quarterbacks there, and we could talk about Carson Strong, we talk about Sam Howell, Kenny Pickett, all the rest of them, I think Malik Willis definitely showed me something this week in practices. Um, you saw the raw traits. Again, you talked about it from the hop. We don't want to double count those. We mm-hmm. knew Malik Willis is going to be a freaking like athletic wonder boy, like a stud walking into this. So seeing him hit the second gear in the open field and juke a dude doesn't do shit for me. Like I don't care about that. We knew that walking into the week, but watching him roll out of outside the pocket, hitting guys on out routes, ten to fifteen yard accuracy, as well as down the field, yeah, I I, I really liked what I saw from Malik Willis walking out of senior bowl week and a guy that looked really comfortable in the pocket and showed me more than I think the other quarterbacks and definitely helped himself. What I'm seeing a lot of is, you know, I mean, there's a lot of lazy analysis on Twitter, you know, Lamar Jackson light. What I saw and what I've been doing a lot of, a lot of research and hearing people saying is, is a lot more like Jalen hurts. You know, you have a lot more where he sometimes struggles with the progression, sometimes holds on to the ball, but that upside is there, right? That rushing upside that we love in fantasy, four, 500, 600 yards rushing, maybe 40, 50 yards. You know, you want that nice five to six fantasy points added to your team, but having that rushing ability. Is he a guy that you think can, can come in and start day one or a guy who would seriously benefit from, you know, having a little bit of time to season in the NFL coming from Liberty? I think he needs some seasoning. Um, I think that he needs to sit now how, you know – you hear the debate constantly, and we don't see quarterbacks sit as long as they used to walking into the NFL. A lot of these guys are thrust into starters chairs from day one in the NFL. And you can make cases for both of it. But I think that a lot of these guys walking into the NFL and these high draft picks are going to bad teams. They're going yeah. to bad teams. They're going to teams with bad offensive lines. And if these coaches are one and done, or they go through multiple different, like, obviously, like, if you heard John Mara come out and talk about Daniel Jones, he basically said, we've done everything we possibly can to screw this kid up over. But that's honestly the story for a lot of rookie quarterbacks. Yeah. That's honestly the story for a lot of young quarterbacks. We don't, they don't like all walk into a Patrick Mahomes. Carr. Right? Yeah, what exactly. Kind of, what, what kind of career would David Carr have had if he didn't get the shit beat out of him in the first few years of the, like behind yeah. the Houston offensive line? Like, so... I think Malik is a player that I think he can do with with sitting. I think that if he is going to be thrust into a starter's chair from day one, obviously you want to see him eased into that, more of a run-balanced offense, an, an offense that's going to consider and accentuate like his strengths, what he does well. Obviously a large part of that's going to be using his legs and acclimating to the NFL. So I, personally, I think he does need to sit. Now whether that happens... We'll see. It depends on where he goes and the offensive system put around him and, and honestly, you know, what other quarterbacks are in the room. Because if he goes to somewhere like Washington or, or you know, do, do I see him starting from day one? Yeah. I mean, they know what they have in Heineke. Mm-hmm. He probably could beat him out in camp. That wouldn't surprise or shock me at all. But if he goes to somewhere else, like the, the, the talk all, all week at Senior Bowl – and I know you've heard it, everybody's heard it, was Pittsburgh, whether mm-hmm. that happens or not. I mean, that's another place where I could see him sitting for a certain amount of time. Like, can that team win some games with Mason Rudolph? As terrible as he is, can they win some games with Mason Rudolph with the defense and their running game and all those different factors? Sure. So, I mean, I, I don't hate that landing spot from Malik Willis, but I, he's a guy that I do think that could benefit 
from sitting a few games before getting into uh, being the starting quarterback. I love it. I, and Willis has is, is, is moved up to my QB1 as well. Another guy that people had as the QB1, you know, going into it, another guy at the Senior Bowl, Sam Howell from North Carolina. You know, a lot of people had him up there, and, and uh, the way he – leadership skills very similar to what Baker Mayfield had in the past. You know, before we were talking about – I mean, before last offseason, Sam Howell was way up there, kind of came back down. Is, is he who you have as your QB2 in this class, or who do you have two and three? And, and talk to me a little bit about how he looked at – in the senior bowl. So I'm still finalizing the ranks. I mean, a lot of these quarterbacks, I've only watched the guys at the senior bowl um, so far. So I'm still like, I, I just dove into Matt Corral's stats, his tape okay. last night. I'm only about two or three games into him. A lot of these guys, and depending on some of this is how much film is out there. Mm-hmm. Uh, Cause I don't have access to all 22 and things like that. So, you know, getting your hands on as much film as you possibly can for these guys. I try to watch five to six games, usually minimum on mm-hmm. them and across multiple seasons if I can, if it's possible. Because you want to see, um, are they stepping forward? What are they doing through multiple seasons? How they're progressing as a player? What are the things that maybe they showed? And especially someone like Sam Howell, um, watching his 2020 versus 2021, where like he lost all the skill players, like Daz Newsom's gone, Diami Brown's gone, Javante, mm-hmm. Michael Carter. All those guys are gone. So what did they do from year to year, and how did he compensate, and how did he play um, versus pressure and all of, all these different facets? I mean, right now, walking out of the Senior Bowl, uh, I mean, QB2 is kind of a fluid situation for me. Um, I can make a case for Sam Howell. I can make a case for Kenny Pickett, um, probably as a QB2. Um, but honestly, I think the bigger takeaway from Senior Bowl for me and – not so much like dividing on who is my QB2 versus QB3, but more or less saying that there is a divide between Malik Willis and the rest of those guys mm-hmm. walking out of that week was probably, probably the bigger takeaway for me because Sam Howell was a guy that, whether it was practices, I, I walked into the week lower on him than probably the consensus. And honestly, a lot of the other guys at FTN, we were talking in Slack, we were talking in text and stuff like that before we got there. And I was like, look, I feel like I'm kind of missing the boat a little bit on Sam Howell. And it, it's it's funny because when you go to watch certain prospects, and even the quarterback play, running backs, things like that, you'll go to watch prospects, and you'll notice or you'll make my kind of mental notes. And I remember last season when I watched Deami Brown walking into that draft class. And I was watching the throws, I was watching everything, and I was like, Maybe I'm missing something here, man, but I'm like I'm not that wowed by Sam Howell, or at least my first takeaway and impression was he's good, he's not great. Right. And going through senior ball practices, watching these guys in the rain, watching their leadership skills, and honestly just the entire aura around them, I walked out of senior ball week less than impressed with Sam Howell. Like if this is the guy you were gonna turn your franchise over, hand him the keys, him to be the leader moving forward, and honestly a guy that's still going to go in the first round I just I wasn't that impressed with Sam Howell um I think that he's a good quarterback I think that what he showed I all the rushing stats that he put up last season for UNC I think is notable do I think that he is going to be a rushing per se quarterback in the NFL no I don't think that's gonna be a massive part of his game can he Mm -hmm. get you 340 yards on the ground and there'll be another like feather in his cap to put him over the top or add to his floor and his ceiling on a weekly basis Sure. Is he going to be a guy that we're talking about? Okay. I mean, holy crap. Like, he's rushing for 700 yards on a yearly basis. No. I don't see that that is going to be a massive part of his game stepping into the NFL where everybody's an uber athlete, everybody's an elite player, and they're either going to be able to chase him down, they're going to be able to tackle him better than what he saw in the ACC. So, I I like Sam Howell. I don't love him. I definitely think that He's going to fall in that next tier of players for me, and he's not going to be my QB1. He wasn't walking into Senior Bowl week, and he's not going to be walking out of it. Yeah, and and I think the biggest thing that I take away from that, because I have a lot of people reaching out there like, hey, Dad, what, I really need a quarterback in this draft. What should I do? And I'm like, is it – to me – I don't think any of them rank, you know, we had, we, we've been blessed the last couple of years. If you didn't get your super flex quarterback the last two years where we had, you know, Burrow, Tua, Herbert, Hertz, and then this past year, the big five, I mean, those were the times to get your quarterbacks. I feel like all of them fall behind the, the five that came out last year, clearly, in my book. 
Yeah, I mean, I, I talked about this out on Twitter the other day. Uh, my boy Jesse Reeves put out an interesting tweet about like quarterbacks and if you have high picks and, and rookie drafts and stuff. And I, I continually preach this. You're not going to get a cheaper access point to mm-hmm. quarterbacks in Superflex Dynasty than rookie drafts or startup drafts. It's just, it is what it is, man. Yeah. Like, you do not walk into Dynasty saying, I'm going to go trade for a quarterback at Superflex. That doesn't, Good luck. It doesn't work out well, man. Yeah. So even though I'm like, I'm not high on Sam Howell, I'm not that high on Kenny Pickett. Am I like just totally crapping on them and saying that they're going to be terrible NFL players? No. Are, do I think that they're going to be possible difference makers, top 10, top 8 options, and the quarterback position mm-hmm. next year, the year after that, in a two- to three-year window? I'm a little bit lower on the possibility and the range of outcomes of that happening. But in saying all of that, if they get first-round draft equity in Dynasty, yeah. you need to be drafting these guys because they are going to have the availability to start. They are going to accrue value based off of that walking into multiple seasons. And, I mean, how many times do we got to see this, man? Like, every single year, one of these quarterbacks, uh, at least one of them, maybe two of them, are not sexy picks. And you can go back through multiple seasons, and they gain equity. So I mean, even if you're Josh Allen high, was that. Josh Allen Josh was going, Allen. I got him, you, you I'm talk, a Bills fan. The two fan. guys that come to mind for me are Mac Jones, yeah. who you could get late in first round, or even super I even got early like. seconds, yeah. Yeah, you could easily get him. And now, what are you? If you were to put him on the block right now in Dynasty and Superflex, you're going to get more back than what you paid for him yeah. in your rookie drafts. And the guy that that honestly, like, same idea, but he's gone to another stratosphere. Like in my rankings over at FTM Fantasy, I think I, he's a top five quarterback right now. And people were not that high. There was not a ton of buzz, and everybody was just like falling over themselves to draft Justin Herbert. But now. We love him. Yeah. Over 5,000 passing yards. Dude was balling out all damn year and showed us another level. Yeah. So it's like, even it happens if you every aren't year. massive on these guys, they can accrue value mm-hmm. based off of where you're getting them in rookie drafts. And a lot of times, in startups and rookie drafts, just take the unsexy guy. Like, if they get first-round draft equity, they're going to get opportunities. Now, when you get outside of that first-round draft equity, and I'm talking about first-round in the NFL draft... Mm-hmm. You get these second-round guys, I'm much lower on that. Because if you just look at hit rates over yeah. multiple seasons, the guys that actually – really, honestly, it falls off the table. Even if you talk about like guys going at the end of the first round, the hit rate of those guys being difference makers or multiple season starters, hell, even like we talked about from the hop, getting second contracts in the NFL is extremely low compared to guys that are drafted inside the top ten. Mm-hmm. But – you get to the second round guys. So guys we're talking about at Senior Bowl, like maybe Carson Strong goes in the second round. Desmond Ritter, good Lord, he's been mocked in the first round by a lot of different people that are have much larger follow accounts than, than I do. I do not see Desmond Ritter as a first round talent. Do not see him as a first round talent. Yeah. If he goes in the second round, I'm definitely lower on him, but will it take shots and rookie drafts? Yeah, but I think it's just all to say that if they go in the first round... Scoop them up in your in your rookie drafts. Like they're they're gonna accrue equity for you, especially in superflex formats. Yeah, and it's it's good to talk about that unsexy pick because last year we had all these people talking about trading up to get Trey Sermon in the back end of the first over Mac Jones or or taking a wide <laughs> receiver, and you're like, man, how does that feel now? You know, like you're in that kind of situation. Mm-hmm. I'm glad you you mentioned you know some of the other quarterbacks in there, and draft capital is going to be key. So I mean, I don't want to spend a lot of time on them. Um, you know, I I'm interested to see what Strong does. I think. Pickett doesn't have that super high ceiling, but I think he could be a nice, steady quarterback for your for your super flex teams, you know. And, and and Ritter, from what I saw, I mean, he looked pretty frail. You know, he was looking like a guy that just didn't have that same kind of not frail, but look that same build I mean, you're no, looking honestly, for. That, that's that's not. I'm not. I mean, frail. We might be using the wrong word there, but I, honestly, like to your point, at Senior Bowl week for a guy that as tall as he is, yeah, he honestly looked really skinny. Yeah. He looked really skinny. And for a guy that we think that rushing is going to be part of his game transitioning to the NFL, mm-hmm. you know, it gives you a little bit of the heebie-jeebies where you're like, Ooh, that what? dude in the open field getting yeah. smacked by a linebacker is not great. But there is one other point that I want to get in here since we're on the quarterbacks. Mm-hmm. And I talked about Carson Strong uh, at the beginning of the show and my thoughts going into the Senior Bowl week. 
I was actually really, really high on Strong. And entering the week, because he was a guy that, yes, we know all the mobility, we know the, the, the knee injury history and things like that. Um, it, it's out there. He wasn't wearing the knee brace at, at Senior Bowl. He looked fluid in the pocket. I, I'm not expecting him to be a rushing quarterback. Nobody is. But he looked like he had enough serviceable mobility to where if you get him behind a decent offensive line, that wasn't going to be a huge, huge concern. But one of the feathers in his cap, and I'm still seeing it out on Twitter, and you see highlights, and you see all these different things, and one thing I did not see at the Senior Bowl, this massive arm of his. Yeah. I did not see that translate. And for somebody that I watched the film, and I was like, all right, he's making the throws. Oh, damn, there's a downfield throw. He just he just thread the needle. You know, looking at Senior Bowl practices... And there's multiple clips. If you go through all the all 22 for senior ball practices, and I, I threw a few of those out there, and he showed this in the game as well. In the 10 to 15 yard radius, can he gun it? Can he? Does he have enough arm strength to get it in there? And does he show extra velocity on those throws? Yes. But once you get past 25, 30 yards, 40 yards down the field, there were some looping throws at senior ball practice. I yeah. put a few of those out there. And then not only that, you marry that with uh, – there's some tweets on my timeline from Zebra Technologies talking about uh, average ball speed, wind speed, and um, basically the velocity on his throws. And you were looking at, okay, one of the feathers in his cap going into the NFL is supposed to be this this massive like bazooka, this howitzer arm that he's supposed to have because he's not mobile. So really that's how he's going to make his bread and butter in the NFL. This supposed arm strength that he has. I'm not saying that he has a weak, weak arm, but if you're looking at him and saying he can make all the damn throws, he has a massive arm strength. Like you're gonna put this guy on another plane, like, is he on the same tier as Malik Wills from arm strength? You look at all the different metrics on ball speed and, and velocity at the senior bowl, as well as the game film and practice film, and you still see these takes out on Twitter. I didn't see it. I really didn't see it. Whenever you're asking this guy to sit here and go farther down the field, then, and is he going to make 30-yard throws like 15 times a game? No. But for a guy that is talked about, that is one of his big intangibles, his assets, walking into the NFL, I think we need to pump the brakes on that. I really, really do. Because 10 to 15 yards, yeah, he can do it. He can fit into tight windows. You go farther than that, and you look at not only the numbers, but what he did at practice, I walked away less than impressed on Carson Strong, like marrying the film and what he did at Senior Bowl. Um, so he definitely is somebody that dropped in my rankings. Yeah, and, and that's what I'm hearing. I mean, I was li- like I said, I was listening under the helmet, and Katie was down there, and she said the exact same thing. You know, those deep throws, they weren't tight. They were wobbly. You know, they, mm-hmm. they weren't on a line. They were, they were lobbed. I mean, it just wasn't what she was expecting as well. And it's like no. – you know, that, that's the thing where you, what you said is you wanted to marry, right? You want to see that, that game film marry with what you see, you know, with your eye when you're down there. I'm moving on to the running back position. You know, there is no Jonathan Taylor. There is no, you know, even Najee Harris type players. But I, I, there's some guys that I absolutely love. They're not seniors. You know, I mean, Brees Hall, Isaiah Spiller, Kenneth Walker. I mean, there's some nice running backs here. Who was the guy, before we get into them, who was the guy that, that stood out to you at the Senior Bowl as, as a running back who's moving up your boards? I mean, look, and I'm not biased because I had a chance to interview the dude, to talk to him, um, and by the way, he is awesome. Awesome, awesome guy to talk to. Super nice, man. When I asked him for a minute of his time, he said, you get all the minutes, man, until I walk away from here. It's it's all you, baby. That's uh, awesome. Damian Pierce, man. Yeah. Uh, fantastic guy to talk to. And it wasn't just the fact that he was, he was super nice, really engaging, one of those guys that like made it a point because there were certain prospects where they're walking past you in the hall and stuff like that. They see credentials, things like that. Or they see the hoodies on, and they're like, oh. Like, some guys put their heads down, act like they're on the phone, just keep on trucking down the hall. Other guys would stop, make it a point to shake your hand, talk to you, do whatever. Like, really trying to help themselves, improve themselves. You know, whether it's mm-hmm. like, all right, these guys are going to be writing words on me and on social media, walking out of this week, and scouts, everybody... Damian Pierce was fantastic, man, and he really backed up not only strong interviews, but his his performance all week in practices. And whether because the running back position overall, and I see people out there like, okay, look, like 
He's explosive in the practice field out of his cuts and his vision. That he, these guys were not tackling the entire damn week. So you're seeing these guys in drills in 7-on-7, seven 11-on-11. Seven, 11 11. They still weren't tackling people. Yeah. So if you're really talking about the tackle-breaking ability of running backs at the senior bowl practices, we were watching very, very different practices then because that's not what happened. So if you but, w- were walking out of the week and saying, bah, like this guy could just bowl people over, blah, 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 blah. Like, the hell were you watching? Nobody was tackling anybody. Nobody was yeah. trying to tackle each other. Like, so, okay, that's great and grand, but it's not exactly the way I'm going to analyze these practices. So the running back position was harder seeing, like, who stood out, but one guy that did help himself in pass protection drills, which they went all out in, and one-on-ones running routes, short area separation, his lateral agility, and his quickness, as well as his hands, man. Damian Pierce showed out um, as a guy that, no, again, talking about these running drills, you can't you can't really take a lot away from those, like for all the reasons that I just stated. But the one on ones where they're running routes versus cornerbacks versus linebackers. Um, my dude Brett Whitefield over at FTN Data put out um, a really good, or at least I think he uh, quote tweeted one of my clips of Damian Pierce and one on ones, and talked about he was running his routes through. Um, it was either a, a guy that played slot corner for the entirety of his time in college and linebacker some. And Pierce had easy separation, exactly what you want to see in a guy that we're looking for guys that can catch passes at the NFL level. Is it good if you're a a guy that's going to be an early down guy and scoring touchdowns like your Brian Robinson's of the world and all that kind of stuff? Yeah, that's great. That's grand. But who is offering you the possibility of an upside of a possible three down skill set? Can they block? Can they run routes? Are they good in the passing game? And Damian Pierce, and he talked about this in the interview, he's like, I want to be a three-down guy. I want to be a workhorse. And yes, like some of that is like, okay, well, every running back is going to tell you that in interviews, as they should. But the guy that backed it up on the field and showing that type of three-down skill set in all those drills was Pierce, no doubt, man. Like He was a guy that I, I think I ranked somewhere at like top five, top seven, so, he was not that high on Senior Bowl uh, running back rankings uh, mm-hmm. walking into it and walking out of the week. He's my RB1 from Senior Bowl. Nice. No, I'm definitely taking notes on that, you know, because I've been hearing a lot of things about Pierce. I always, I, I like Brian Robinson Jr. coming in. Um, I heard a lot about Tyler Biddee. You know, he's not flashy, but he actually put up, put up a nice Senior Bowl week as well. Some of these other guys, is there anyone that's, you know – has that potential to be a starter? Are we looking at maybe 1B kind of guys or platoon-type running backs? There were two of the guys that I think put enough on the the practice field and put enough on tape that I think that they're going to – Tyler Beatty, like, his size is the biggest concern. Yeah. That's going to sit here and nix him out of, like, being really – he's going to have to be a massive outlier. I don't think he's going to get, ma- like, really, really high draft at capital either. Maybe – he goes in the fourth round. Maybe he gives him an opportunity mm-hmm. um, if he goes to like a thin backfield. But his size alone is going to sit there and limit what he's able to do, um, both in the role that he's going to get in the NFL. But um, to your point, um, two guys that, that I think that put enough on tape, um, a guy that we didn't get to see a ton of, but I think that he has got the skill set. He's got the burners. He's got the agility. Uh, Jerome Ford was somebody that I wanted to see mm-hmm. more at the Senior Bowl. Um but like I talked about, the running back position was a hard one to sit here and kind of dice up because they weren't tackling and all these other different reasons. So he's a guy that I'm not going to walk out of the week and knock him a ton, um, as well as then he put it out on social media. He didn't get to play in the game. He left to go sit here and be present for the birth of his child. So mad respect for him on that mm-hmm. aspect as well. Like birth of your child versus trying to establish and help your career. All right, man, made a, made a life choice. Respect him for that. So the fact that he left there, I'm not knocking him on that. And the fact that he didn't he didn't do anything to knock himself down a peg for me. Mm-hmm. And somebody that walked into the week where I, I, I liked his tape, I wanted to see some of the things, and I think that we're talking about Pierce, depending on where he goes in the NFL draft, somebody that I think also has the upside for that three-down skill set and the size to do it as well. Uh, my early comp on him, and again, comps are you make what you will out of them. Everybody t- talks about them. And but stylistically, um, I think it makes a lot of sense. As James Conner was Rashad White, um, so I, I, we, mm-hmm. everybody talks about his receiving ability in college. 
That's absolutely true. Did he show that in, in pass protection and one-on-one drills? Absolutely. It, did he do anything to sit here and, and knock himself down as far as what he did in the game, what he did in practices? No. So I think all the different things about Rashad White, I think he showed enough burst in the drills that I saw um, to be a, a guy that I'm not worried about that or concerned as much about his testing numbers. I think that he's going to test fine. He's probably not going to be a guy that's going to jump out of the gym. But I think he's going to test well enough to where it's not going to hurt his draft capital. And a guy that I think he's not going to go high in rookie drafts uh, as well as Pierce. But could they land in situations and give themselves a chance at maybe a three-down roll uh, walking into next season, the season after that? Or if everything just happens to fall into place, whether it's the depth chart, injuries, all these different things, Rashad White's the guy that obviously makes that list as well. Two guys definitely worth noting there, you know, guys. And and start to – I like to make a portfolio and start to talk about – you know who the guests are talking about and last year you know there was there were times where you you just sit down and make a quick note here and put it in your rookie drafts and 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 think about those kind of things because you know we're seeing this then they get the draft capital on top of it then you know these are the guys that you guys want to be going after uh talking about the running back position you said it was you know kind of more on the difficult side to kind of see things move into a position where i feel like it's got to be a little bit different it's got to be easier to kind of cut and dry see where things go what are you looking for from the wide receivers there? And and am I correct? Is like you can really see those separations. You can kind of see where mm-hmm. things are going. And the guy everybody's talking about, Christian Watson, really looked like he impressed. I mean, I saw he's all over Twitter. Things are blowing up. He maybe took his draft stock higher up than anybody out of these wide receivers. I mean, all the talk is about Watson, and it should be. I mean, walking on a senior ball week. I mean, the two guys that, that separated themselves in a tier alone were Watson and Jalen Tolbert. Mm-hmm. Um, with both Watson and he was a guy like honestly walking into the week and I'll be absolutely transparent. I didn't watch any film on him walking into senior bowl week. Uh, the, the roster that I had walking into the week must've been outdated. I didn't see him listed. So I legit watched all of these guys, like five to six games walking into the week, look dug into the numbers. Watson's a guy I missed. And I was like, um, okay. And so I watched him in one-on-ones after the day one. I went back and looked at all these different things, watched some game film before we walked into the day two practices. And he had a fantastic week. You saw in one-on-ones he was able to separate. And for a guy that he's not short, people, he's six foot four. So to see that type of short area quickness and yeah. agility, the moves off the line, and you saw it in the game, you saw it in one-on-ones, you saw it in practice. You either saw it in, in in the positional drills where they're running routes and you're seeing them try to get in and out of their breaks as fast as possible. And Watson just looked smooth the entire week. He got he got separation both early and late on his routes, was able to separate deep down the field as well as in the short areas of the field. And you want to see that for a player that, you know, they're going to be used. If they're not going to be... If you're looking at some of these wide receivers and you're saying, okay... Do they have the upside or the possibilities to play a true X role in the NFL? And they're not going to be a flanker. They're not going to be at Z. They're not going to be in the slot, what have you. Mm-hmm. Then can they not only separate deep, but can they sit here and work the intermediate? Watson's a guy that showed that. Jalen Tolbert showed that. Jalen Tolbert's hands were kind of if like back and forth all week. Maybe you chalk some of that up to the weather. Mm-hmm. Um, honestly, the field conditions... I think weren't talked about enough at South Alabama. In the one-on-one drills we saw, uh, I think it was a uh, second day of practice and it was in the rain and we were all soaked to the bone and shivering our asses off. You saw a lot of these cornerbacks and wide receivers because it wasn't torrential downpours. Like it was a steady kind of like drizzle and stuff like that all day. But you were seeing a lot of these guys on both sides of the ball, cornerbacks and wide receivers stumbling to get in and out of their breaks. And you're seeing it not only like guys like Watson, all of the players on both sides of the ball. So to me, what that says is the field conditions played into a lot of this more than, okay, is that a specific player type of thing that we're seeing or is it across the entire field? And seeing that, then also you weigh that into it and say, okay, well, if we're seeing him stumble and stuff get out of his breaks then it's not a him thing. It's it's just a conditions thing. And you're trying to weigh that as well. But Watson balled out all week. Jalen Tolbert played extremely well, was able to get late separation on his routes down the field. You saw him play big. You saw him be able to get uh, have enough quickness quickness to separate 
uh, on shorter crossing routes and slants. And honestly, as long as those guys, like I think Watson's going to test extremely well at the combine. He's going to run super fast. I think that he's going to do nothing but help his draft stock. I think he's probably going to go in the second round at this point. Agreed. And if you were to ask me, um, even if I had watched him before walking into this week, on Watson, was he going to be a second round guy? I probably would not have told you that. Maybe a third round guy? But same thing with Jalen Tolbert, man. Like, I think that he probably goes maybe late second, early third, somewhere in that range. And as a guy that when we passed him in the hallway, I was like, holy shit, this dude is built. He's built like an X. You see his legs are thick. He's just rocked up. And you put that guy in an NFL strength and conditioning program already coming from a small school. And he was winning on a lot of his routes versus top competition. Um one of his clips from day one, he won deep down the field. And I can't remember if he came down with his touchdown or if it was one of the ones he dropped. But he won versus Kendrick from Georgia, who is going to be, um, I think his EDP whenever we did this, or we're looking at him, was top 50 players. So you're looking at a guy that's going to go in the top two rounds of the NFL draft. And Jalen Tolbert is answering those questions. And he talked about this in the interview. He's like, I wanted to show guys. Because I was like, all right, what part of your game did you think that was maybe not going to come through on film? And he was like, not only my speed, um, and I think that he's firmly a guy that's going to run in the four fives. He showed that, as well as his long speed, and as well as he showed he can ball out and play up versus better corners, better competition. So I think those two guys put themselves in a tier by themselves, uh, walking out of Senior Bowl week as two guys that I really wanted to watch. Yeah, and I mean, we're going to have Jordan McNamara on in a couple weeks, and he always talks about profiles of these guys, and that draft capital matters. If you go in that second round, there's a big difference, you know, and those guys statistically and, and historically are the guys that, you know, you get those those early guys, they, they step up. This year's class is exciting about wide receivers, right? I mean, in the past, we've talked about those running backs and moving up. For me, in a non-superflex league, I mean, I have... You know, Traylon Burks is my wide receiver one, and I feel like even in Superflex, there's a lot of people, now we're really early on, but they still feel like he might be the 101 when it comes to rookie picks. Is that anything you've kind of looked into too much? I know we're too early on the whole process. It depends where he goes, but he's a guy that could go early round one that is super exciting to me. I, I Honestly, I haven't gotten to Burks' tape yet. Um, so he's one of the guys that, um, and really starting at the top of this class and stuff, one of the guys that I'm eager to watch and stuff, because of everything I've heard, as well as some of the good, some of the, I'm not going to say bad, but you're looking at range of outcomes. And I never talk about what players can't do, but I, I talk about what they can do and how that translates to the NFL. Mm-hmm. And then also any of their, I don't, I don't like to phrase it as shortcomings, but areas that they can improve in their game, or they're going to have to hone to sit here and whether it's to maximize their floor as well as their ceiling as an NFL player. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a lot of th- facets to Burke's game that are going to be interesting when I get to him. Um, now, I mean, still, if you're talking about Superflex, it's going to be hard not to sit I, here and take a quarterback at 101. I always um, even do. Even at that, that yeah. aspect, man. Like, And looking for difference makers. I mean, right now I'm early in the process, but, I mean, it's going to be really hard for me to pass on somebody like Malik Willis at, at, at 101, at least as of right now. Yeah, and I figured we'd just get that out there. I mean, you know, we want to, we want to start looking at some of these guys and, and moving forward and getting excited about these rookies. Um, going from exciting to one of the not-so-exciting positions. You know, both teams came in with five tight ends. Uh, Trey McBride, to me, clearly is the, the tight end one here. But did anyone talk to me a little bit about what you saw from him? Because I feel like he's one of those guys that no matter who was the tight end one this year coming in, they're like, well, he's not Kyle Pitts. Guess what? Nobody is. Like, no one's looked like that coming out. But what kind of ceiling do, does Trey McBride have coming out of Colorado State? I think McBride, a lot of it's going to be tied to where does he go in the NFL draft. Um, and when we get closer to that situation, I mean, a lot of tight ends don't get drafted high. And the ones that do get drafted in the first and second round, it's not a massive bump to their mm-hmm. their draft stock. Like, how many guys do we see on a yearly basis that are drafted um, I mean, even if you look at the top of dynasty ranks right now, you look at Travis Kelsey, you look at Mark Andrews, you look at George Kittle, all these guys are going third round of the mm-hmm. NFL draft. So any one of these tight ends not getting first round equity, second round equity, I mean, we have to look and dig into the numbers. Like you look at their yards per route run, look at what they put up on film, look at the competition they played, and also 
looking at the film and, and are they guys that you're not going to pigeonhole them into, because there was a lot of them. Like you're looking at Kohler, you're looking at mm-hmm. Turner, you're looking at a lot of these tight ends, um, Calcaterra that played more slot, played more outside play. They're going to honestly like that are going to have a harder transition to the NFL, even maybe I say likely than somebody like Trey McBride or other tight ends like a Jeremy Rucker that can play in line a ton, that can block really well, you know? And I'm not saying that they don't have that, like looking at Kohler and all these other tight ends, they don't have that part of their game, but were they asked to do that in college? And is it more of a projection that looking at them through an NFL lens, because is it going to be harder for them to cement themselves if they don't land into a perfect situation where they are going to be in that move tight end role? And we don't see NFL head coaches, GMs, player people like put them, try to like basically, you know, sticking a, a, a round peg in a square hole or at least trying to and saying, oh, okay, well, to get on the NFL field, you're going to have to be an inline guy from day one. And if they suck at their blocking, are they going to get pushed down a depth chart? Or are we going to see them end up with, we always talk about it takes tight ends more time to sit here and acclimate to the NFL, produce for us in fantasy. And I, a lot of different times, I'm taking the value guys over somebody like, McBride's getting a lot of a lot of steam right now. Mm-hmm. And it's deserving, man. He played well in the senior ball practices. Everybody can point to the one, I think it was the one clip where it was him and um, it was either Ritter or Pickett was under center and threw him a contested ball and he just manhandled somebody and came down with it. Yeah, that's part of his game, man. And he was extremely talented. But there were other guys, like I talked about, Jeremy Ruckert, who you look at, I mean, like the Jets were there. They need a tight end. Can they sit here and take Ruckert in, in round three, round four? He walk into possibly with a thinner depth chart, a starting job, maybe week one? Possible. So it's not that I don't like McBride. And I and I really liked everything I saw from him at Senior Bowl. He played really well both in one-on-ones, all the pass routes that I saw him, uh, both in practices as well as some of the game tape. So I think the steam is well-deserved. But this tight end class overall, and honestly, like how I'm approaching the tight end position in Dynasty in general, I mean, that's fine. I'm not going to sit here and pay up for a lot of these tight ends and rookie drafts unless you're talking about somebody like maybe Kyle Pitts, who's a generational guy. He played basically wide receiver in his first season versus these other guys that are going to play in line. And unless they walk into, and it's really, really thin, that they're going to walk into even 80 plus targets in their rookie seasons. Give me a lot of the value guys that if they get three top three round equity, can they produce maybe in year two, year three, and you're not paying those high rookie picks for like, I keep bringing up his name, man, but like, I'm really, really damn interested where Jeremy Record goes in the NFL draft. He's mm-hmm. a guy that, when I watched his film after looking at his numbers, the first thing that came to mind for me was why in the hell did they not throw the guy the ball more? Like looking at him as both as a receiver and how how smooth he was, strong hands in and out of his breaks. Like that that was my first takeaway with Ruckert's film. I was like. This guy should have been featured in the passing game. He should have walked away with a far better collegiate career. And I think he's going to be a guy that has a better a better pro career and a better NFL career than what we saw him put up on tape at Ohio State. I love that. And I love the analysis there. Of, and that's how I treat my my tight ends when it comes to my rookie drafts. Is people are saying Trey McBride's going to be a first-round rookie pick. And and my no. thought process there, yeah, no, I'm, I'm hearing it out there. Some, Good, and Lord. I'm like, for me... No. No, give me one no. of these wide receiver upside players. Give me a running back. Give me a guy that I can flip for something more down the future. I like to look at that third round, maybe mid to late seconds, and start to get like this year, mid second. I was getting and Friar Muth everywhere, you know, and it, I was waiting for those kind of moves or even late seconds. You know, it's like this year was the first year I've ever paid a first. I did get Kyle Pitts, but I mean, that's different. But for the most part, it's been a position where, you know, you wait a little bit, you get a couple guys. Cause traditionally they, you know, in the past it's been three years. Some of the guys are excelling a little bit before that now, but it's a position you got to be, let's be honest. Most of our dynasty owners aren't patient anymore. So if you, if you take those wide receivers or running backs that hit earlier, you, you get some of those tight ends later. And that's always the, the final piece to my puzzle. Yeah. One thing I, I can't I can't spend a first round rookie pick on Trey McBride or I mean unless you were talking about like legit a guy that can absolutely just I mean he breaks the mold and yeah. everything you're talking about with athletic measurables like Kyle Pitts 
That's the only guy that I could possibly get behind uh, spending one of those first-round picks for. And honestly, I, I at least to this point, and again, I said I'm early in the in the process. I don't see a player that that is necessitating that you do that for. And this is no shade at McBride at all. I I like his talent. I like his tape. But am I going to sit here and spend a first round rookie pick on him? There's no way in no, hell. I'm no. I'm not doing that. Even in tight end premium formats, I I I'm not doing that at all. Like yeah. you're going to draft a tight end over. Even a quarterback, assuming this is say with Superflex and tight end premium, there's no way in hell I would be doing that. No, I, I feel you completely there. You know, and I, I I really love talking rookies with you, and I can tell like you're one of those dynasty minds that we'd love to have on again and, and talk about some of these things. You know, bring Mung in and kind of dissect some of these things because I feel like you know we have a similar mindset. One thing I'm trying to ask all of our you know all of our guests in the upcoming months is talk to me a little bit about how hyped where everybody on Twitter is, how everybody is on those 2023 firsts, and talk to me about your philosophy on it. Because I'm seeing things like, let's sell proven studs right now for a 2023 first. And I talk about insulated trades all the time. Like if I'm trading a Dalvin Cook and trying to get one of those picks, I want a Michael Carter plus that pick. I want an upside running back that I really like. But people right now, I'm seeing trades. I mean, I'm answering hundreds of trades a week. I mean, that's my thing. And I'm seeing like, Dalvin Cook straight up for a 2023 first. I'm seeing Cooper <laughs> Cup straight up for 2023 first. And I'm like, no. guys, that's not till next year. You know, like, relax. But I'm excited about the class. We all are. It feels like 2020 over again. So if you can load up on them picks, do it. But what, what's your thought process on the whole thing? This is the, the time of the year where you should not be trading for picks. Like, this you is can't. a terrible yeah. time to trade for picks. You don't trade for picks right now. Even if you're trying to get in on the 2023 class, you're trying to get on the 2022 class. If you're going to trade for picks, you wait until the rookie draft is actually happening. And then maybe, depending on how the draft goes, somebody gets sniped. Or they're like dead set like, all right, I got the 105. I really want Malik Willis. I really want one of these guys to drop to me. Mm -hmm. And they don't get the player that they love some people will be like, fine, I'll trade back. I'll trade out of it. I'll trade a proven assets, things like that. That's mm -hmm. when you make the move for this year's picks. Because if you try to go out there and acquire them right now in any of your dynasty trades, good luck. You're going to be chopping off a body part. You're going to be, honestly, you're going to be spending up and more than you should be for a lot of these picks. Because this is the time of year where it's all rookie fever. It's yeah. all pick fever. It's all about the NFL draft. The time where you make those moves, and even if you're talking about, and, and this translates over to 2023, there's a certain amount of like, just rookie pick fever in general. Like, yes, it can be about this class, but people also can take that and translate that to next year and say, okay, um, I'm really hyped or I'm down on this class. I'm really, really hyped on the next class. It, it, it all just comes down to, this is a terrible time of the year to trade for rookie picks just in general, period. Whether you're, it doesn't matter what, what you're, you're going at unless maybe you're going after 2024. And, but honestly, the time where you make those moves, if you're late to the ballgame, if you're saying, well, shit, I should have traded for all this, wait until your draft is actually ongoing and maybe you get somebody that gets into a spot and they're like, there's nobody I love here. Maybe I trade back. Maybe I trade out of the draft. Maybe I have a win now team and your team is obviously like maybe a rebuild or what have you, or you get a guy where you're much higher than the rest of your league on them because we all have differing opinions and we all analyze rookies in a very different fashion. So maybe your ranks are very different or than the rest of your league or just that person that's on the clock. If you're going to try to trade for 2023 picks, the move is not right now. No, 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 no. You wait until the NFL season. You can but we're all so excited, that. right? That's the thing is, yeah. Mung and I talk about it all the time. There is a dynasty blueprint. It is it is a cyclical thing. Every year yep. you can buy veterans cheap like right now. I mean, I'm seeing yep. I'm seeing DeAndre Hopkins getting traded for second round picks. You know, and I'm just like, <laughs> yeah, if you're in a win now, like you should be super excited at some of the values you can get with some of your rookie picks. You know, but don't and the other thing we say all the time is don't trade those rookie picks until we get to draft day, right? Because then sometimes on the flip side of what you're saying, we get to the 106 and someone's like, oh my God, still there. I'm going to pay up to move into that spot, you know? So it's like, 
it's it's not the time to go buy those picks right now, and they are going to no. cost you an arm and a leg. And but we all get excited about it, right? It's like. Uh, we know well, we shouldn't. It's a fear of we shouldn't. Out. It's FOMO, man. Yes. Everybody's like, "Well, I, I want in on the rookie, the rookie right. fever. Like, I, yeah. I gotta get it. I gotta get it." It's like, no, you you're following the tidal wave. You don't yeah. need to do that. And we all want those new cars when our car our cars are reliable and they're getting us to work every day and they're nice. But we want that new car, right? We want that flashy new hotness every single year. Well, even if you're going for the 2023 class, you wait until the NFL season kicks off and then. You either ship off like veterans in season, try to get you know get those picks, or you're trying to make moves where you're acquiring those picks. Like, say it's week four, week five. After some of these teams have started off like five and zero, four and zero, what have you, and they're looking at okay, do I have legitimate shot at the title this year? You go poaching those teams and you go mm-hmm. knock on the door and say, all right, look, you're crushing people. You're five and zero. I know you want to go for the title. We all want to go for titles because the, the in dynasty, it, it's all it's a very big marriage of not only having a damn squad built, but also there's a certain amount of like health. Who other players mm-hmm. that you have on your squad, and even working waivers, like all your running backs do, go down. But you had James Conner just sitting there, and all of a sudden he's an RB one for multiple weeks. Getting dynasty like fantasy championships is not like. I'm not going to say it's luck, but you also have the stars have to align because you can have a damn amazing win now squad that could totally get decimated and teams can shake out far differently than when you thought about it going into the season. Like I have multiple squads where it was like I was stacked at wide receiver, Uh, whether you had like Michael Thomas, Calvin Ridley walking into the season and you're like, let's go, baby. Like I got like. Two top 15 wide receivers, going to have a fantastic year. I'm all win now. And then, nope. Nope. They're not carrying your team. Yeah. And so how this how the seasons play out also can factor into what teams are doing and what they're thinking. So getting 2023 picks, you need to wait until the NFL season kicks off. I would not be making any moves right now unless somebody... Unless you're getting, uh, honestly, uh, I don't want to say a fair trade, but one where you're not getting gouged, which good luck, like I said. But honestly, the move is to not bite into trying to chase the dragon right now and just let things play out. Wait until your rookie drafts. Wait until next year's NFL season, both to get access to these rookies right now and rookies walking into next year's draft class. I love it. You know, that's been a fantastic time, you know, like getting to, to chop it up with you and to, and hear about the Senior Bowl and talk about it. But before we close, why don't you tell everybody where they can find you and, and some exciting stuff that you guys have co- coming up over there. Yeah, man, we got all kinds of new stuff dropping at FTN. Uh, I'm going to be di- getting into my prospect write-ups. And like I talked about at the beginning of the show, man, brand new podcast that is live right now on iTunes. It's going to be live um, probably later today on Spotify, all the different venues where you can consume podcast content. So if you're listening to the sound of my voice, go hit the subscribe button right now on iTunes. Um, Ray GQ and myself are launching a new podcast for FTN. It's going to be the FTN Fantasy Football Podcast. I know original names notwithstanding, (laughs) but this is going to be awesome, man. Uh, For a, a guy that I have respected his work for multiple years, and I, I count it as a blessing that I get to work with him on a daily basis and doing this show. I mean, th- there are a lot of shows out there in the space, in the fantasy space, whether it's Dynasty and what have you, where you hear a lot of, okay, we're going to hold hands, we're going to sit here, and, and we're going to agree the entire damn show, and it's going to be all kumbaya, and it's going to be great things, and we're going to hug it out. The, I'm not saying that we're not going to agree on some prospects or some players and our takes and stuff like that. But you are also going to hear the real, you're going to hear fire, you are going to hear us very passionately talking about all these different players. And sometimes we're going to agree, and sometimes we're going to fight. And that's really what you need to be hearing out of all your different podcasts. Because all these different conversations handled respectfully about players, we don't have to see eye to eye on players. We don't have to shake hands and hug about everybody we watch on film and how we break down players. Differing opinions is exactly how you get not only different parts of analysis, but how you form your own takes on players and your walkaways from that. So hearing differing opinions on guys, that's what we need to be encouraging these type of debates, and that's what you're going to get out of this show from me and Ray. 
Um, so I mean, I'm super excited to sit here and launch that show this week. We should be dropping our first episode either Wednesday or Thursday. So like I said, go to subscribe to that as well as I'm going to be getting into, uh, I'm going to have my prospect ranks up later uh, this offseason. My dynasty ranks are live right now on FTN. Uh, we are going to be doing, uh, myself and Adam Pfeiffer, as well as on Fade the Chalk, uh, my other podcast for FTN Network. Uh, we did this last year, had a ton of guests. Uh, you talked about Katie Flowers, chopped it up with her at Senior Bowl. She is amazing at what mm-hmm. she does, uh, as well as my dude Thor Nystrom. Uh, we're going to have all kinds of awesome guests walking into the offseason, breaking down. And we do these singular episodes going deep on prospects. So you'll see those uh, start populating in your podcast feed. So subscribe to Fade the Chalk as well, man. But thank you for having me. This was fantastic. Love being able to talk rookies uh, as well as all the senior bowl action. Because just because the game already happened doesn't mean that we don't still don't have takeaways about these players and ways that we can attack this in Dynasty and rookie drafts moving forward. So really appreciate the time. Yeah, definitely going to check out both those podcasts. You know, I mean, Ray's a guy that we, we would love to have on. We've been talking to, and it's like, you guys are killing it over there. And the two of you guys together sounds like an absolute fire podcast. So guys, make sure you check that out. Continue to consume all that rookie information. You know, bring all that in. We're going to continue to to give you guys the best possible content we can for the rookies with with experts like Derek. So thanks again for tuning in and enjoy the process.